This is Jamal Diwan, and you're listening to the Coffee with Kareem podcast. Thanks for tuning in to the Coffee with Kareem podcast. Don't forget to leave us a lovely review on iTunes and sponsor the show today at patreon.com. Links are in every description of every show. The people who came before you, they didn't reach what they reached because of praying a lot and fasting a lot and giving a lot in charity. Of course, there's varying levels that people struggle with different things. That's part of spirituality, right? Welcome to another episode of Coffee with Kareem. I am your host, Kareem Sirajuddin. I am here with Imam Jamal Diwan. He is one of the founders of the Majlis in Orange County, California. Sheikh Jamal, pleasure to have you on the show, sir. My pleasure. So tell us more about the Majlis and what's the vision of this space? Yeah, that's a really complicated question in some ways. The short story is basically that all we want to do essentially at the Majlis is to try to embody something similar to the example of the Prophet which I think everyone would probably say with their projects, but basically what it comes down to is trying to provide a space that's comfortable for people to engage with religious teaching, some sort of commitment to spiritual refinement, and to being with one another in companionship, and to trying to give back to the world around them. Mm-hmm. And uh, as simple as it sounds, I think that many of our spaces, basically the, the idea behind the space is for it to be people-centered, right. and people-focused, rather than anything else. And so everything that we do is really to bring the people together, and to try to give them something that will improve them in their lives, and their relationships with one another. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like an incubator to learn and live Islam, perhaps in a, mm. I don't want to say a fresh way, but perhaps in a different way from maybe some of the common experiences that we may have had at you know, local masajid or stuff like that. Not to say that all masajid are not great spaces, but you know, every, you know, there are stories, of course. Yeah. Right? We all have them. Every space <laughs> has its limitations. Yeah, exactly. So. So I wanted to ask you, I mean, I know you're, you know, you offer pastoral care providing and different types of, you know, spiritual counsel. Um, you teach from classical texts. And what is the difference between religion and spirituality, in your opinion? It is a very common debate these days. Like people will say something like, I consider myself spiritual, but not religious. Or no, there's no such thing as spirituality in Islam. It's just religion or the deen. Mm. Are those two things different or What's your advice or or feedback on that question? Yeah. Well, you know, I think as always, we get into the issue of what are the definitions that people are functioning with. So when someone says religion, what do they mean? When they say spirituality, what do they mean? And oftentimes, the related question to that is, Perhaps why do they mean what they mean? Or what's what's the back back story to that? Hmm. I think for... Uh, many people who kind of say I'm spiritual but I'm not religious I feel like a lot of that has to do with their experience with religion right and they're they're deep down inside they realize that there's more to life than just the material things that are around us but and they know that the great spiritual re- traditions of the world and religions and so on have something to offer in that regard hmm. but oftentimes their experience with that religious, thing in an organized way can be something that pushes them away and I think that that's true for people of Christian heritage for sure 
And I think it's also true for people that are from the Muslim tradition as well. Yeah. It's like you're lost existentially. You find, let's say, a religion. And if it happens to be Islam, there's a high chance, you know, you come in with these rosy goggles of like, wow, I read the seerah and this is so, this is the truth. I want to live, you know, according to this. Mm -hmm. And then you go to your local masjid and there could be a type, a very different experience. Like mm -hmm. all of a sudden it's about, you know, heavy emphasis on legal transactions of mm. the religion or you know you're basically told you're not really muslim until you change your identity fundamentally or your culture the way mm. you dress the way you talk whatever mm. it is right so what do you think is going on there then people end up spiritual <laughs> then people end up spiritual so uh, you know does that mean they just kind of like okay that means i'm gonna take what i want and kind of make it help Whatever I use from religion to make me feel good mm. sometimes could be one understanding of what it means to be spiritual, right. perhaps. What right. are your thoughts about that? Hmm. Well, uh, on the last point, I, I think that that's not necessarily a good thing. Right? Like whatever we can take from the religion to make us feel good is being spiritual. Sometimes that could be good. I mean, there is... We do feel good when we do spiritual things, but it's just not that those are always going to be easy. So there's there's a fine line there, I think. But you know, people we have, I think, oftentimes a this tension between the ideal and the real, mm. and we we definitely experience that in the Muslim community. I mean, we always tell people judge Islam by what it is, not by what Muslims do. Right. And that's that's kind of like basically calling people to this to recognize the real versus ideal. I saw thing. a bumper sticker once that said, Oh God, save me from your followers. Yeah. <laughs> it's like it's, it's pretty good actually. Right. <laughs> followers you put it in quotes. Right? right. Those those who think they're following you. Right. Um, but that's I think that's a that's an ongoing challenge for people. And then you know Spirituality, I think, is very similar to a lot of things, which is that there is there's some truth about there being greater things greater than ourselves, greater right. than the material in front of us. And different places you'll find some glimpses of that truth. But the challenge is when you pick different things from different places, they don't come together in an integrated whole. And I, I think that's where you see a lot of difficulties here in the questions of spirituality. Um, and in, in greater American society, I think you see this as a, as a broader trend, that you see this category of people who kind of recognize that this perspective, where we've come to culturally as a people, there's something missing from it. Mm. And so you see, you know, all types of different things, a concern for the environment, uh, people all interested in yoga, people, as always, you have this kind of, for the last 50 years, probably 60 years, this interest in Eastern religion, yeah. But you try to bring it in, and I'm going to integrate this into my life. But it it doesn't always work because the rest of it is not. It's it's like you're taking to to use like a, a heavy Muslim advance example. You're studying fiqh without a madhab, mm. so you have opinions from different places, and but it doesn't come into it doesn't make sense as a whole. It's like having a steering wheel without a car. Yeah, <laughs> or brakes yeah. in the steering yeah. wheel, but or like you, no ho holistic system is what right. you're kind of saying. Is yeah, like, like I really want to be careful. I really wanted to. I really want a Mercedes. So, what I'm going to do is I'm going to take. I'm going to get a Mercedes logo symbol off someone else's car. I'm going to put it on my car. Right. And now I'm going to feel like I have a Mercedes, but you don't have a Mercedes. The inside is still right. not the same. Exactly. Yeah. Right. So what I'm hearing you say is labels or personal assignment 
to a tradition or practice or religion, um, naturally that's your starting point. And it's also the point that can help you, let's say, correct or harmonize your very perception with, mm. you know, what is meant to be the truth or the path of that religion or tradition or philosophy, perhaps. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I think that... <clears throat> I don't know if I'm understanding exactly what you're saying right, but I think that, for example, one of our teachers used to tell us, if you want to become a really good poet, the first thing you do is you memorize poetry. Mm. And after you've memorized enough poetry, you get to a point where you're able to actually independently contribute to the world of poetry. I can relate to that because I know the more songs I learned on guitar, the more I was able to write better songs. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's true for other things too. So, for example, I want to have some sort of... You would see it actually in the books of law, again, you know, in, in like a Sharia side of things, is that people would choose a medhab. They study their school of interpretation. And it's once they reach a high level in their school of interpretation that now they start to question some of the conclusions of their school. Right. Or how it applies to the evidences and so on and so forth. Right. But there has to be some level of disciplining in the training that gets it. And maybe that's related to spirituality too, because you know, part I believe that part of spirituality is gaining the, the almost like a, a base level of it is gaining some sort of discipline over the self that allows us to dig deeper into other things. Right. And uh, if if the, our initial interactions then with the spirituality are things that are just whatever I feel like, I'm not going to gain that discipline. Right. Yeah, I mean, if I, I kind of, I mean, of course I have thought about these things a long time myself and mm -hmm. it's always nice to hear other people's input. And like, you know, I think a great place to always start is with, of course, fundamentally language, mm. right? You look at re the word religion. Mm -hmm. uh, I think, I f from what I recall, don't quote me, guys, but religio <coughs> is uh, Latin for like yoke or to bind together. Okay. So it's about bringing something together. Spiritus mm. is Latin for all the things we already know spirit means. It's like life, it's spirit, it's, you know, energy, force, self. Uh, and then take the word deen mm. in Arabi, correct me if I'm wrong, isn't it root connected to the same root for dain? like mm -hmm. a debt so is that accurate a debt and also yeah re like recompense Yomidin. right is the day of when all the debts are paid basically yeah so the the indebted is you're being indebted to the fact that allah gave you the gift of consciousness and life and a taste of his eternal attributes as a you know package to work with in your own existence right like mm -hmm. that's the so we're indebted to the fact that allah gave us this and i always mm -hmm. say like imagine if i was super wealthy and i had you know this awesome house in malibu and i was like i'm always very generous with my friends just take the keys go with your family get away have fun and use the car eat the food there's cooks and and i'm giving you this huge amena mm -hmm. of all this property and wealth mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. you know great times right but you can also lose that amena with me and not fulfill the trust, mm. right? And if you crash my Ferrari mm. or, or, you know, burn my house down, you're going to be extremely indebted mm. for the favor that I mm. trusted you with, right? Mm. So that's just a simple human analogy. Imagine now the creator who's eternal needs nothing and chose to create you or me or Donald Trump. And we use our life yeah. to live in, you know, forgetfulness, heedlessness, or we align ourselves with the divine pattern or we choose to actually rebel and go mm -hmm. against it, right? Mm -hmm. And be part of the evil army. Mm -hmm. So 
you know, just those, you know, those terms, and of course, yeah. ruh and arabi is spirit and life force, and there's this tranquility and etc. So I think mm-hmm. at least one of the ways I've kind of seen it, because I've gone through my own journey okay. with religion and this, is that, you know, perhaps religion is more about the collective emphasis mm-hmm. of, of a of a worldview, mm-hmm. and that requires communitarian or collective, you know, patterns and laws and transactions and formalities. And spirituality is more of the personal taste that you get out of that collective effort. In other words, religion mm-hmm. is organized spirituality. Mm-hmm. But if we lose that sense that it is organized spirituality, then it can become politicized, institutionalized, you know, whatever. And mm-hmm. then it becomes kind of a different thing rather mm-hmm. than what it was always meant to be. Because when mm-hmm. I, for example, just reflect on the seerah, you know, the first, what, 11 years of, of the seerah of the Prophet, there was no five daily prayers, right? Mm-hmm. And then it came once they already had a lot of theology, you know, mm-hmm. purification of theology, social justice change, right? And then the salah came to anchor them in their love of Allah and the mm-hmm. Prophet and the iman that they had mm-hmm. the to, five to keep so. it organized. The five daily prayers. Mm-hmm. Is that it accurate? a lot before that, but it was in the morning and the evening. Did they do the actual uh, sajda, like the same exact format, or was it a, do we have any knowledge about, was it meditation, was it still a type of sajda, or? Mm. Uh, I can't remember exactly, but I, I believe it was similar, but I'm not entirely sure, I would have to review, mm-hmm. I can't remember right now. Because Isra' Ma'raj happened uh, at that point about, what, 10 years in, or was it yeah, earlier? about 10, 11 years in. And that's when we got the uh, official formalization of the five daily, five daily prayers. prayers. Yeah. And then but after Jibril that, came to him and taught him the Salah before that. Right. right? And that's, he taught Khadija radiallahu anha very early. So it might have been even a private uh, practice. And they first. used to go out, and they, they say they used to go out to the outskirts of Mecca and pray. SubhanAllah. In the morning and the evening. And, uh, you know, try to not get caught, basically. Well. But the five definitely comes later. Um, and even if it's two, I mean, two is, it's 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 organized still. Um, that's an interesting breakdown, organized spirituality versus... Because spirituality is, you know, if you look at it with psychology, spiritual psychology, transpersonal, it's about, like you started off saying, it's about relating and developing meaning in relation to the bigger picture and beyond yourself and your ego, mm-hmm. right? So whatever mm-hmm. I'm doing, I am always part of this massive ocean of water that's has its own current but i'm also a part of it you know Mm -hmm. so it's like that's why you can have people practicing the same religion but someone's at spirituality level 100 and the other is at negative 100 and the whole everything in between even (laughs) though they're practicing the same things or they're in the same gatherings so doesn't that really suggest this subjective intention psychological you know effort, sincerity, <clears throat> and relationship that that yeah. person actually has with the divine. Because yeah. it's like a toolkit, right? There's something else going on inside. Yeah. Because yeah. you're not going to get the same results for everybody. Mm-mm. Right? Mm-mm. No, I mean, that's... It's one of the most, I think, one of the statements that really sticks with me a lot is this statement of... Um, but it's attributed to different people. That... The people who came before you, they didn't reach what they reached because of praying a lot and fasting a lot and giving a lot in charity. Which is not to say that they didn't do a lot of those things, but they didn't reach what they reached with God through those things. They reached it through Sakha'un Nafs was Salamatul Sadr wal Nushan al Ummah. That they they had this yeah, they had this um, generosity of spirit and clean cleanliness of heart 
open-heartedness, like they don't hold anything against anyone, and that they give sincere advice to everyone. You know, Mashallah. those are all issues of the heart. In the end, they're mm. not. So someone can be more sincere in that. Someone can be some people experience different levels of things in their in mm. their hearts. But I think even you know sometimes I I wonder with spirituality and kind of how that fits into our tradition and just the terms because uh, you know in the end in Hadith Jibril yeah. Gabriel the Hadith of Gabriel when he comes to the Prophet وسلم, and he talks to him about Iman and Islam and Ihsan you know belief the five the the six articles of faith he mentions God messengers angels day of judgment so on he mentions the uh, acts of worship. And then he mentions worshiping God as if you see him. And even if you don't see him, you know that he sees you. And so the scholars have often said that these represent three major branches of Islamic studies, right? Yeah. You have theology, and you have law, and you have spirituality. And all of those are deen. Right. So all of those are the way. Another meaning of deen, by the way, has to do with kind of like how you do things. Hmm. It's like, right. Kemet to Dan. As you do to others, it will be done to you. Um, so all of these fall into our relationship with God, right? Really, and so, but really, where things can kind of, where there's the space for, such varying levels of experiences in the realm of the heart, right? And I want to I want to talk about the heart next, but just to close up this notion of spirituality, religion, you know, also what came up for me is if spirituality is about transcending the ego, polishing the ego, purifying. It. In other words, I'm not going to resist transformation just because I want to stay comfortable within my own nafs as it is, mm. right? I mean, if you think about it, that's purification of the heart, that's tazgiyat yeah. and nafs, that's, you know, yeah. having akhlaq and adab. It's about aligning yourself to the way that um, the human being was meant to be, yeah, essentially, absolutely. right? Because absolutely. we know we can be either these gorgeous creatures or, you know, something much worse than even animals sometimes, right? Because animals don't have a choice to be what they are. Best of the best or the worst of the worst. SubhanAllah. So, I mean, you know, that's how I kind of see is like your spirituality. That's why there are people who can... Because one question I hear a lot, and maybe you've heard it too, is how come these people pray or somebody in my family or someone else like, MashaAllah, lihya, kufi bisallu or hijab or whatever. And backbiting, Mm. abuse, Mm. you know, constant criticism Mm. and judgment weaponizing the religion to oh, yeah. get kids to do what they want, you know, whatever it is, right? You have to listen to me, you're going to go to hell. Or like, and of course, we know that not all of this is uh, uh, allowed naturally, right? But it's fascinating because it can be that test, you know, don't make us a test for those that come after us. Like if we, the, the point here is the ripple effects, mm-hmm. the snowball effect of mm-hmm. everything we do mm-hmm. has so much more impact than we know. And I feel like that's definitely a principle of spirituality, mm-hmm. right? The butterfly mm-hmm. effect, you know, as mm-hmm. they say, you know, it's like, uh, so, but this is, to me, it's almost like a, it shows a rupture of mm-hmm. one's psychology and spirituality and religion, right? Because it's like religion is supposed to help in your spirituality. Your spirituality is going to naturally be the, it's the reflection of your psychology. You know, so it's all going to influence each other. So does that suggest that your deen itself or the way you're making meaning of it or practicing it uh, is lacking and that's why it's not making that positive impact or improving Mm. you in your ihsan and your spirituality, psychology, akhlaq, right? Because isn't that supposed to naturally follow if that real nur of Allah and the hidayah of the Prophet is impacting your heart, 
Absolutely. Absolutely. I, mean, I think rupture is a really good word. Mm. It's a really good word for that. There's, I, I think in such cases, and of course there's varying levels that pe- people struggle with different things. That's part of spirituality, right? Is that they'll make mistakes and they struggle and so on. But sometimes there truly is just a major rupture between the internal and the external. Mm. And I think that our guidance as relates to religion and spirituality and so on is to bring those two together the internal and the external so we have external rules and we have external practices and they're supposed to be paired with internal realities right so yeah you can pray but the prayer is supposed to be paired with this internal reality of concentration of of submission of humility in front of god of all of these type of things yeah and if it's not there then you're not going to get the result that is meant to be there and that's you know it's actually really clear in so much of the hadith because the hadith the prophet will tell you things like they don't believe if they don't love for their brother what they love for themselves. Right. They don't believe, let whoever believes in God in the last day speak well and remain silent. Uh, the signs of the hypocrite are the one who, if you get in an argument with them, they blow up. If they get, are given a trust, they break it. All of these are, these are all character issues. Yeah, signs, yeah. They're all character issues. It's not like uh, he didn't pray. Although right. that's in different narrations as well. Right. But, these are all part of the part of the equation. Yeah. So I mean, it, it could. It almost sounds to me like it's fair to say that your character probably is going to suggest the most evidence as to your hal, perhaps. Mm. Regardless yeah. of what you're doing on the outside all the time. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. They they used to say that the person who's better than you in adab, and manners and character, is better than you in their spirituality. And some of the later scholars, they said, no, the entirety of the religion actually is manners and character. Right. If they're better than you in manners and character, they're better than you in the religion. Interesting. And who is the Prophet other than the most beautiful person ever right. in character? Inside and, and out. Yeah. So, yeah, you have external rules. But those even even if you look at, for example, the five pillars, right? Shahada to the side. But if you look at the prayer, the prayer is tanha'an al-fahshai munkar it prevents from evil and bad deeds. Mm-hmm. Right? The fasting is a means by which you gain taqwa. You gain this awareness and consciousness of God, which is, again, relates to character and manners. The zakat, the charity, is a means by which you're purified. Mm-hmm. Uh, that this is, these are all there. The hajj is a place where there's There's no bad character, there's no arguing, there's no corruption in hajj. So all of them actually go back to this idea of purifying one's character. Yeah. It's like shahada is about let go of falsehood and, and bear witness to the truth. Salah is about let go of evil deeds and, you know, promote the good. Zakat is about purify your wealth mm-hmm. and help the misfortunes. Mm-hmm. And uh, hajj is about uh, let go of your tribalism and ethnocentrism and mm-hmm. come together and remember the one yeah. source that we yeah. came and will return to. I mean, when you, there's just so much, so much wisdom, there. man. Yeah, so much SubhanAllah. There. And I, dude, every time I have an interview with somebody, I'm learning new insights about the deen. Like, concept. it's just yeah. beautiful, man. It's just Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Like, there's no limit. And I feel like that's what should excite us. Like, let's mm-hmm. seek the knowledge. Let's, you know, take this path and, and do our best and trust that Allah is going to open the doors and help you understand yes. things just because you desire it more than, you know, watching six hours of Netflix every weekend or, you know, making sure you're better than your sister or, you mm-hmm. know, your wife is hotter than your brothers or whatever ego, Weirdo garbage stuff, and, yeah. you know, stuff people are carrying, you know. 
Allah guide us. So I, I'd love to turn uh, in our last uh, portion here to discussing a bit more about the heart as an organ of perception. Um, this concept is central and integral to Islam, to Ihsan, to Islamic psychology. And for some, it might seem kind of still abstract. Like, how is the heart an organ of perception? How do I... Because most of us feel like we are up here in our heads. Like, we're yeah. living behind these uh, eyes and you know, looking out through the windows right here. And so we always feel like we're kind of mm. located up here, mm. right? But we're not, you know? Mm. Uh, I mean, being a Westerner, it's a lot more cerebral generally. So you're going to yeah. feel stuck, more stuck there. But that's probably why a lot of people are also looking for those other integral practices and things right so can you tell us a bit more about how Allah talks about the heart in the Quran I know there's different words there's fu'ad you know uh, qalb there's sidr there's perhaps basira I think you know connected mm-hmm. to the chest so what are some of those terms and what do they indicate maybe you can mm-hmm. start us off there with getting a <laughs> ground of meaning yeah that's a tough question I mean there's, there's there are a lot of terms used like you said there's and they all relate to some sort of understanding that's happening inside. Mm. Um, like the ones you mentioned, there's Sadr, which refers to the chest, technically speaking. There's Qalb, that refers to the heart. There's Fu'ad, that sometimes people will say refers to like the inner heart. Um, there's the Sir, that's even deeper than that. Mm. The secret, that's deeper inside. There's the Ruh, the spirit. Um, so there's these internal layers and depths that you're mm-hmm. saying. Yeah. But all of them in the end, what are we, the, the understanding is what you said, is that we don't only perceive with our minds. That's, and that's a really, really important concept in Islam. Yeah. And the, the big verse that's often c- quoted in that context is the, the verse about um, that the, it's, not the, it's not the eyes that go blind, rather it is the hearts and the chest that go blind. SubhanAllah. And that, you know, and, and we realize that as a reality that, that people, when, even on a practical day-to-day level, when the heart and the emotions are not in the right place, our perceptions all change. Yeah. We look at the same thing and see something completely different, depending on what's going on with us internally. Mm. And so the idea is that when we are connected to God, that allows us to have, usually it will allow us to have more understanding of what's going on with ourselves internally. And be able to, we'll be able to understand things in a deeper way, in a more profound way. Right. Um, and on top of that, maybe there's insights that the heart gets that the mind doesn't get. Right. And that's that's really tough, I think, for people to understand. But we're 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 composed of a soul and of a body. Yeah. And sometimes the soul is getting information too. Um, the the Prophet said, for example, that beware of the spiritual insight i guess you could say of of the believer because the believer is looking with the light of god subhanallah that they just they understand things i mean it's it's really hard to explain but sometimes you experience it you sit in front of someone and they say things you're like hmm. he's looking through me yeah. Yeah. yeah i mean yeah i mean i feel like maybe in some colloquial terms it's like listening to your gut your intuition you know, we say things like, oh, this doesn't feel right, even though I have mm-hmm. no rational explanation. Mm-hmm. I just don't feel comfortable around that person for some mm-hmm. reason. Like, there's something you're picking up on. Mm-hmm. And when I was in grad school, I came across some research. There's an organization called the Heart Math Institute, which is mm-hmm. actually located in California. 
And they focus on studying how the heart is an organ of perception, scientifically. And one of the things that they've, mm. you know, uh, published was that they found approximately, you know, 50 or 60,000 neuro neurons in the heart mm. that communicate to the brain. Mm. And they also found that signals, that the, that the heart sends more signals to the brain than the other way around. Interesting. And that when the heart sends signals to the brain, the brain has to submit to its command. Whereas when the brain sends mm. a command to the heart, it can actually not fulfill the the signal or the neuro you know the me, the message being sent right like, the, like straight out of the revelation yeah like the brain might say he's gonna take your wallet freak out and then you're it's telling the heart you know increase heart rate get adrenaline going you're in danger and then the heart's like no i know this guy you know mm. or no relax okay mm. make excuses for him or something right mm. and there's a there's a lot of stories like this but this uh so that you know, this HeartMath Institute, and here's the main, one of the main, main ones maybe that'll help people really see this. Besides, kind of personal anecdotes, is the research shows. I think it was at least a hundred people that they did this with. So picture, you bring in random people, you look at a screen. Mm. You're told you're going to see random images appear every three seconds. Mm -hmm. Some are going to be pleasant, like gardens and moms kissing their gorgeous kids or what have you. And there's going to be ones that are very unpleasant, like a tiger eating out another animal's carcass or a, you know, somebody who's disheveled or an accident or something, right? Mm -hmm. The point here is that it's random from beauty to ugliness. Mm. And what they found, they're measuring the heart's response, like the different waves and electromagnetic energy that it releases, mm. which signifies activity. Mm -hmm. So what they found was you're staring at the screen and the first image that comes up is like flowers and your heart responds to beauty right and the more smooth your heart waves are the more tranquil you are and mm -hmm. the more chaotic they are the mm -hmm. more you feel chaotic that's why also when someone gets angry in a room you feel the, the space change so when they're looking at these pictures of these flowers mm -hmm. they found that right like like it switches i'm at one mississippi by two mississippi my heart is going to chaos mm -hmm. and then by three mississippi the random image that comes next is something ugly Hmm. And, and scary. In other words, they they thought they said, and this is still something everyone's scratching their heads around. The heart is perceiving things that's precognitive. In other words, they found like we're talking like almost eighty percent here, that every time your heart rate changed as if a negative image was about to come, it did, even though it was randomly simulated. Like even the experimenters didn't know what image is coming next. So they were su suggesting that the that? that the human being <laughs> is tapping into knowledge or awareness or understanding precognitive mm. and there's layers of reality clearly that so it's not just in your neurological sensory input necessarily mm. right mm. so that's like actual scientific publishing you can find it on HeartMath institute and they've done other stuff you know since mm -hmm. then too uh which is really kind of when i first learned about it almost 10 years ago i was like subhanallah i immediately remembered the hadith of the prophet about the heart and of course the ayat mm -hmm. and the quran so oh, gee, just thought really I would just thought I would drop that geeky uh, foot. Oh, that's very fascinating. Yeah, especially you know, like I've heard some people say, some scholars and stuff say ideas of like the heart being the gateway to the soul, and the soul is old, right? Our souls are not; they're Been here way before our bodies are here, <laughs> and our souls know God. It's and so once, see, part of it is to to discipline ourselves enough such that we can actually hear our hearts, mm. and that's like the first. 
kind of like the foundation. This is usually where people stop in this in the spirituality of Islam. They call the whole thing tazkiyah, which is basically trying to purify the nafs enough, the soul, the the base self enough, such that we can get past it and have some sort of relationship with the heart. Mm-hmm. But then now, what happens there? Now we're getting into a whole level of experience and existence that relates to being connected with the soul and everything that the soul knows. Yeah. And uh, I mean, I, if I had done that, if I had accomplished that level, then I'd be able to maybe say more. But I haven't. <laughs> but that's what I hear. Yeah. Um, it's a very fascinating thing. That yeah. You subhanallah. Shared. It's kind of like the mind can be almost like the inner chatter, and the heart is meant to be the inner voice. Perhaps mm. you know, like there's that difference. Or, you know, another way I kind of thought about it was like it, the mind itself. The brain has two hemispheres, so like there's a pair there. And Allah says we created everything in pairs, and that's how we understand fundamentally reality, science, laws, mm-hmm. you know, hot and cold, the whole spectrum of properties in, in the world. And it's like maybe the mind is more meant to process duality and understand that aspect of reality, whereas per- maybe the heart is designed to perceive unicity, yeah. you know, and oneness. And that's why yeah. you can't, you won't ever see that if you're only staying here and you never go down or whole right perhaps because you know why does Allah say those things about the you know you may have seen and heard with these senses but you're actually blind or deaf Mm -hmm. or you know whatever it is you didn't really perceive right so there is obviously something more there than just a you know pleasant allegory right Mm -hmm. yeah there's something profoundly beautiful there I think I don't know how to talk about it but that's just that's really remarkable Mm. subhanAllah there's something there for sure. Wow. The heart is really something. Yeah. I'm going to look up that research just to get an idea, you know, to, to see more of what they've done. And yeah, totally. I'll put some <coughs> links uh, in the description of the show. They've, they have some YouTube videos and stuff too. And there's a TED Talk once with a, a guy mm. from HeartMath, and he mm. did a demonstration on stage about like showing the the power of the heart in other words they're trying to show like the heart isn't just some valentine's day symbol that mm-hmm. pumps blood and that's it it's like mm-hmm. no actually it's an amazing organ it's it has a self-generating electrical pulse that pumps blood and cleans and does everything for you. i mean if your blood wasn't flowing you'd be finished yeah. right it's that life force everything comes from there right and there's nothing uh to my knowledge in the heart that there's a switch for it Right, just like the brain, there's no p- region of the brain. There's regions of the brain that is responsible for learning and memory, and you know, logical thinking and visual cortex in the back, and you know, somatic movement. This, and that. but there's no part of the brain that is specially designated for telling the rest of the brain what to do. Hmm. Right, there's no control center. Hmm. It just does what it does. It gets stuff in and it sends it out. It does it. So, what's telling the brain to do what it does? Hmm. Right. How mm. what, how is it choosing which signals or not mm. to stop or block or send? Mm. And even down to the neurology of the brain, Sheikh Jamal, your neurons actually even organize efficiency in the biochemical signals being sent like every one one hundredth of a second constantly. It actually has multiple options happening on a neurological level and it'll be like no this neurotransmitter is most efficient for what the host that we're in right now is currently thinking like the subtlety of almost like micro complexity and awareness 
I mean, to me, it just suggests like that ruh, right? There's mm-hmm. this life force that's breathing life into everything, mm-hmm. all your cells, everything that's mm-hmm. doing its work. You're not telling it to do anything. Mm-hmm. You know, subhanAllah, it's doing all this stuff for you, the heart. And, and when it shuts down, you're finished. Yeah. Just like that. I mean, it's just like a cosmic uh, clock. That's ticking so in you, amazing. you know, it's that's like, so amazing. and you really, and that's why I feel like when you really study the creation, mm-hmm. you of course recognize more of the majesty of Allah. Absolutely. But if your whole life is, uh, you know, pop culture and the top, you know, 10 mm-hmm. billboards and, you know, the latest, uh, you know, fashion and this and that, I'm not, mm-hmm. you know, again, I'm not against sure. enjoying your time from time to sure. time, but we have to recognize the content that we fill our minds and brains with, the shows that we watch, the Absolutely. people we spend time with, it can rob you of perhaps the um of life itself yeah the point of experiencing this rich deep experience and that doesn't mean it's always going to be bliss mm. right no. that's very important because some of us are obsessed with happiness all the time <laughs> which is to me the same as saying i want the whole world to be you know yellow or something it's right. like you have to have all the colors mm. and range of emotions to feel mm. full life right mm. just like a meal isn't really a meal if it's just rice mm. or just a chicken thigh mm. like we always feel it's more complete when there's at least, you know... There's some components. Yeah, food groups, colors even, arrangements, kind of right? It's like down to so many things, you know, we see these divine patterns constantly manifesting itself, mm-hmm. right? So it's like... And that's one of the... I mean, it's, so when we talk... This takes us all the way back to the beginning, right? So what is it that integrates all of those differences? Mm. It's the existence of God. The accepting the existence of God as one, as the creator of everything, who out of his infinite unicity produced all of these, or created all of these different manifestations of, of, of his, his names and attributes. And so all of them, they have their own manifestations, but they all take you back to the creator. Yeah. So there has to, that unifying, that's what makes everything whole. If you take all these pieces... You know, you just want to have a meal with rice or whatever. It's not, it ends up, you're like, well, it doesn't taste right. Yeah. Life doesn't taste right. SubhanAllah. Life doesn't taste right. (laughs) And we're sitting here looking, at least on my side, I have this view of the the hillside and different plants and flowers and and some raindrops coming down and the sun coming from the other side and some clouds and I'm just thinking about... The, what you're saying right? and all of the different types of trees and plants and I know all of it is like we could have had for example like as a species you know if we really just kind of evolved natural selections in charge like you know why didn't nature just evolve like simple like beige no flavor fruits that have carb protein fire everything and you just that's all that there is and we all just eat it to survive right and it's like but yet, somehow, the earth created infinite mm. herbs, mm. F- you know, spices, fruits, mm-hmm. vegetables. There's all kinds of livestock, animals. And then the whole sea and ocean. I mean, and then, of course, we see, of course, the cuisines and the colors and the culture and the music and the, the vibrations. And, and I mean, it's so gorgeous and beautiful. And it's like, 
all of that was just a uh, supreme miraculous accident, mm. you know, or that we have a male and female. Mm. Why would nature evolve us into a male and female if it's all about survival, efficiency? <laughs> you know, why, why, why would natural selection push that? Why weren't we, re, you know, asexual or reproductive on our own or, you know, some pollination? Ha- you know, who knows? Because, again, there's no conscious directing force here. Right. Even though natural selection contradicts itself because it somehow knows what genes are good for your survival and not and based on the mutations that help your survival and prosper those stay and the ones that don't those people or creatures die out Mm. so there is some kind of a relationship or awareness of what's helping this organism survive in Mm. the so there must be some knowledge of the environment as well as the organism's mechanisms Mm. but somehow it's a blind force that is naturally selecting and mutating for you so Mm. Yeah, it's just like, yeah. I feel like when you just, like Allah says, don't you? It's a, do you use your intellect? Yeah. Right? I mean... Do you not comprehend? Yeah. I mean, and I feel like it's very hard to really start to see the ayat of Allah that, in my opinion, can be so clear mm-hmm. and, and apparent if you're not peeling away the layers of yourself and, and reality. And this yeah. doesn't mean you only study, you know, schools of fiqh and aqidah. Mm-hmm. No, it's, I'm talking about all knowledge yeah. is a reflection of Allah's Everything. majesty. Allah is Allah. He was Allah before anything ever existed. And anything that came into existence is a manifestation of His names and attributes. SubhanAllah. So, finite manifestation of His names and attributes. Do you think anything. that's why Allah says in Surah Al-Baqarah, if I recall correctly, you know, um, that you will find the face of God in the East and the West? Hmm. Uh, uh, no matter where you turn, there is the face of God. Mm-hmm. Perhaps. Like, is it presence, countenance, you know? Yes. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, the, the point is, is it's all, it, it leads to the same conclusion. It leads to the same conclusion, which is wherever you turn, you should be finding God. Exactly. A if manifestation, not. a reflection, you know, his qualities or powers manifesting. And that vision needs light, right? Physically speaking to see or perceive anything. Without light, you have nothing. And if you don't have nu- the nur of Allah, the mm-hmm. light of God, then you're also, even though you can see with the lights on in here, you're actually not seeing further or deeper vision that penetrates beyond right. the organized matter that we call tables and trees right. and people. And that's why light is such a prominent metaphor in spiritual language. Totally. Right? So there's, I mean, even the hadith that I said, beware of the inside of the believer because they look with the light of Allah. Yeah. Right. So there's, there's the, the basr, the, the physical sight, it needs the light in order to see. And the basira, the insight, it needs the light of God and remembrance and worship and everything else to see and to comprehend. And if, if, we're not, if our insides are not animated by uh, belief, then we're not able to perceive properly. And Allah is nuru samawati wal either way. He's the light of the heavens and the earth, everything. SubhanAllah. SubhanAllah, that's amazing. Yeah, there's a lot there, isn't there? <laughs> well, Sheikh Jamal, do you have any um, final comments or thoughts that you'd like to share before we wrap up this lovely and hopefully first of many discussions? Inshallah. I don't know. I mean, one thing I always tell people on a very practical kind of takeaway is that in that in that hadith of Gabriel salam, when he comes and he tells those three things that you have the theology and you have the outward practices 
and you have the spiritual practice. Basically, you have mental practices in theology, and you have physical practices in the law, and you have spiritual practices in ihsan, in tazkiyah, or whatever you want to call it. And all of those together are, the re- are, are our way of doing things. So our way of doing things has to integrate all of these. I think that for the most part, Islam in the modern world has become a, a three-legged stool that has one leg, mm-hmm. which is the leg of the outward and the leg of the Sharia, without even theology, even, or, or spirituality. And, you know, when you have a three-legged stool, only very few people can manage to maintain balance on a three-legged stool. Right. When you have two legs on the stool, some people, you know, more people can maintain their balance. But when there's three legs, everything is strong and Solid. stable. And I think that it's important for us to begin to think about our way of life, which is Islam, in a way that embraces all three of those. Hmm. And if we find that we're deficient in one or the other, then we can supplement it. And like I think a lot of times when you find people who say, well, I don't want to have anything to do with religion, it's because they got beat over the head in one of those. Hmm. One of those legs was removed from the stool. Oh, my God. <laughs> and used as a mechanism by which to beat the person. And so now they're like, I don't want to have anything to do with that. Yeah. I'm just gonna figure it out myself, right? You know, and and I don't really blame people for that, right? Because, of course. I mean, that's cause and effect. That's actually not an unreasonable conclusion, right? Right. They still believe in God a lot of times, right? They just I'm not gonna do it this way, and so you know, I'm just not gonna follow the, this presentation of this version of organized religion mm-hmm. or version. Of, I mean, like one thing I always ask people, maybe next time I can start this off with you is, if Islam's the truth, then what is the true Islam? Because mm-hmm. there's a lot of versions or mm-hmm. Islams, plural, out mm-hmm. there, right? Because mm-hmm. there's people who are like, oh, Islam's, you know, nonsense and rubbish. And it's like, oh, tell me about your experience. And it's like, it's like this. And I'm like, wow. Well, if I went through that, I'd probably feel the same way. But mm-hmm. that was a different facet or a different, right. uh, uh, an unjust uh, expression, expression of the yeah. tradition through yeah. the people that were around you, right? Yeah. That's um, a really important conversation. Yeah. I think it's similar to the the statement of one of the shuyukh who said, when you talk to an atheist and they say they don't believe in God. Which God? And you tell them that I don't, I don't believe in that God either. Right. Right. And when someone's, I don't want to have anything to do with Islam. Well, what is that that you don't want to have anything to do with? Because it's likely that I don't want to have anything to do with that either. Right. And so, so to come full circle again to the majlis is one of the things that, at the most basic level, we just want to have an expression of Islam that's correct and true and pays attention to the environment that we're in and is beautiful and makes people better and enjoy, and they enjoy their lives and if we can do that then you know that's that's good enough whatever comes out of that comes out of that but the basic foundation is people need to be able to have a experience with religion that is truly religion which is that it should be beautiful and it should be inspiring and it should be encouraging and so on and so forth right. it will be difficult at times yes but it should still be beautiful no yeah. Beauty is found in places that aren't always pleasant or mm. pleasurable or, yeah. you know, subhanAllah. There's a rap album, Life is a Beautiful Struggle. Yeah. It's not changing that it's or a struggle. Or three, 311. You remember 311? 311 <laughs> song, Beautiful Disaster. Hmm. See, these kind <laughs> of... had a lot of those. paradoxes. <laughs> yeah. and, and the true reality of the, the religion, it's living in the paradoxes. Yeah. You can't exactly. get away from it. Yeah. Exactly. SubhanAllah. Empowerment is from surrender. You know, and there's so many. You know, I know that I don't know. 
It's bittersweet, subhanAllah. But Sheikh Jamal, it's uh, been an honor to have you on. Thank you so much for sharing your insights. Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, please support the Medjlis located in Southern California. Help Sheikh Jamal serve his community. It's a lovely place. And uh, if you are local, come check it out. I'll have a link for it in the show. And those of you who aren't local, please support it. And there's also live feeds of the uh, seminars and uh, classes that Sheikh Jamal and his team provide. So make sure you check that out, inshallah when you have the chance. Jazakallah khair, Sheikh Jamal. And inshallah, we'll see you again soon. All right. Love you for the sake of Allah, buddy. Assalamu alaikum. Appreciate you. Thank you for the chance.